Well, hello and welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 in excess, Access All Areas. You're with B and Hayden as we try and attempt to get this band into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, create a juggernaut, create a momentum, uh, and dig deep into their legacy, their career, and highlight and educate all fans, old, new, and passive. B, how are you? What an episode we had last week, and how's your in excess week been? In excess week is great. We um, celebrated Tiger Lily's birthday around everybody's um, Facebook pages and Instagrams. That was just beautiful to see and the zoom chat yes the zoom chat i do believe we will have a part two because i had so much so yep. much well look uh we we did sort of get about three hours of content we probably be people's ums and ahs which probably most of them were mine um <laughs> but it was uh, a great sort of chance to put faces and voices and sort of I guess uh, fandom to uh, the call, you know, where we was, we could see see our guests and we could hear their opinions and share. And uh, we know that um, through our our greater audience, which we feel very very uh, connected to, a lot of people got um, you know uh, a lot out of it. So mm. um, it's not going to be the first or last calling all nations. Uh, well, it was the first. It's not going to be the last. No. But we uh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And there's a few people that I know that um, at one to come on so don't worry David we'll have you on <laughs> you know who you yeah. are <laughs> yeah so I think yeah absolutely um we, we we were stoked that we were able to get sort of seven or eight sort mm. of on there at simultaneous times and just uh, you know in excess being a global band we had a, a global audience we had Portugal represented yeah. we had America mm-hmm. uh, but within America we had about three time zones within mm. America mm. Uh, we had the Netherlands I think we had the UK mm-hmm. we had uh, New Zealand we had Queensland, uh, we had Melbourne, where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, we, well, you're in my time zone, B. Yep. Uh, we had, uh, you know, quite a, a, a mixture of lands and areas there, mm. and we would love to get more people on from mm. various uh, continents around the globe. And many subjects we talked about. It was very interesting, wasn't it? You know, listening to the fans, etc., and hearing their views, what sort of comes through is just, yeah. you know, how relevant and passionate, you know, other people, f- you know, feel about the band. And, you know, sometimes, uh, what I loved about NXS, I always felt like they're, they're our band, you know, but there are so many other people around the world, when I use the word our, that represents that sort of, I guess, adjective um, mm. uh, and feel connected to. And uh, we had young Sharma in New Zealand, who's only 16 years old, who uh, we've given her the uh, the pressure of carrying on uh, our legacy when we're pushing daisies up. So no pressure on poor Sharma, but she uh, is, yeah, she she's is. the future, isn't she? I remember the other kid's name, Lachlan. I think he's 18 and he's pretty he's pretty hot on the ah. on the heels as well. So yeah, the the young guns are coming through. Well, we say to everybody out there who might be uh, plus 30 years of age, like myself and B, maybe plus 40, uh, we encourage you parents and even grandparents to play the tracks mm, to your sons and please. daughters and granddaughters and grandkids. Yes. I know ACDC, another Australian band that uh, came from here. 
when they play concerts, even still, you know, they get sort of almost like four generations turning up to concerts. Uh, you know, people who are 15, their parents who are 35, their grandparents who are 65 <laughs> and, you know, and beyond. Who mm. knows? But they are a real generational band and that's how a, a band stays alive, by keep playing the music. If they tell you to turn it off, keep playing it, pummel them. <laughs> and uh, you know what? You, the, the, the sweet sounds of Michael and Andrew and Tim and Kirk and John and Gary, it will eventually win them over. Yes. What do you think, uh, Always, B? always. I think through my <laughs> journey, I think um, I've pulled in quite a few friends and relatives. It's been good. Hello, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I, I guess to recap a little bit, you know, over the last sort of month, I was just sort of breaking some notes down today, and, you know, I think, you know, in the last month we've done a, a, an album review with Shabu Shabar. I think we did our second sort of top five of the uh, of the videos. We've sort of done a Zoom call, um, and we're now due, I guess, to do a bit of a, a deep dive into a band member. So we will sort of go through that a little bit later in our topic, but uh, we are going to be talking about Kirk today, or as I think I might have called him, Mrs. <laughs> Mr. Beachley, didn't Not I? Is that Mrs. right? Yes, Mr. Beachley. I quite like that. Mr. Beachley, <laughs> yeah. okay. So he won't mind me nah, saying this. Nah, he'll love that. Behind every good man is <laughs> a good woman. So, uh, but Kirk Pengilly, uh, the the multi instrumentalist, Mr. Versatile is going to be our, our our bigger topic today that we will get into soon. So, very much looking forward to that, B. Yes, I can't wait. My, one of my favourites. But I think it's time for a news flash. And now it's time for the excess news with Hayden from around the world. All right. Well, it's been a fortnight since we did a news flash, so there's been a little bit of chart movement. Um, I know in the Australian charts, they actually get updated on a Saturday, so uh, the time this gets released, it'll be a Sunday. But we have had one chart change since our, our last news flash, and that is the album has moved back up in the charts, B. Yeah, it does. So in the ARIA charts, it looked like it was going out to 47 and had a little bit of a mm-hmm. uh, jaws of life and moved up to 41 at our last conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, I can say it's gone up another six spots to 35. Ooh, so uh, that's pretty good. It's tracking nicely. Yeah. It, it looked look like it might have not hit 300 weeks and mm-hmm. hit 47 and in the top 50 is the, the ultimate list, but um, mm-hmm. it's now rebound in the last two weeks to do with 47 us. to 41, <laughs> then up to 35. So um, if you haven't got it, tell your friends. If you have got it, tell your grandkids who haven't got it and get them to get it. And we'll buy it uh, for them. let's just keep this thing <laughs> going. I think we've got two more weeks. I think it's a 298 weeks at the moment mm-hmm. in the top 50. So maybe we can celebrate 300 in the next couple of weeks Ooh, as well. So fingers yeah. crossed. All right. Um, in the USA charts, we talked a little bit about the sample, and I'm just going to call it Need You Tonight Part 2 now, B. Okay. I'm sick of highlighting Dua Lipa or whatever, because yeah, she's stolen it. our band song and <laughs> refashioned it into her own song, but it's Need You Tonight Part 2. That's what we're going to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, it went from uh, 20 uh, yeah, about a week and a bit ago up to 17, so it's now gone into the top 20. Negatively, though, um, we've had two chart changes since our last news flash. It has gone back to 24. Nice. So um, it did go from 20 to 17, then 17 back to 24. But they are fluky charts. Mm. Uh, you know, even this time a month ago, it was pushing back out to the 40s again. So yeah. um, it may have another life in it. We will encourage so. How many weeks has it been in oh, the charts? I think it's been in about 15 weeks, I think, in the yeah. in the top. They have a Billboard 100 in there. They call it the top well, the Hot 100, so I think it's been in there maybe around 12, 15 weeks. So, um, yeah, at 24 as the, at the time of recording. Mm. 
Um, also, too, uh, obviously, Live Baby Live, or Live, Live Baby Life from Wembley's been released. Um, chart-wise, it has gone gangbusters all around the world. Oh. Um, I guess there are DVD charts uh, that reflect, you know, the sales for albums and things like that, but they, they're also DVD uh, sales charts. And uh, I know that there's been some posts going out from our friend MM and, mm-hmm. you know, things on the internet, sort of, you know, plug-in in excess and things like that. But uh, I know, I think it went number one in Australia and England, and then it's gone to sort of two or three, I think number two or three in America, you know, through Europe, uh, New Zealand, all around the world. It's sort of sitting in the top five uh, on the week of, uh, of release. Wow. So I guess well done that's in excess. A, 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 an encouraging endorsement, endorsement B. Oh, fantastic. And, and look, you and I, I don't know about you, I haven't bought the latest incarnation of it yet. No. So uh, we are... <laughs> Are you <laughs> have you joking? got yours? Of course, I haven't watched have it about yours? five times already. No, I, have you? Okay. No, right. I haven't watched it five times. Look, I, I did say previously I've got about four versions of it all. I have to get no, my you've got to get wallet this out one. to back up my sentiments. So, yeah. um, I, I might your buy tally? It the week that the, the charts dip. How big's huh? your tally? <laughs> Not big enough. <laughs> yeah. I should, I should put it out to a cinema again, huh? Oh, I'd love that. But it must have been, mine's a bit of a cinema experience at my house, so you can come to mine <laughs> yeah. when, when you can get out of lockdown. Yeah. I know a lot of people on the social sort of uh, pages, things like that, you know, in terms of the, the platforms and things, uh, I've really been amazed by mm, just the quality, the quality of the update and things. Um, yeah. Um, I think you may have reminded somebody close to the band B that they should go back and do that with all the videos. Is that mm. right? Uh, well, I think someone in our, our fan group said that and you might have had a word to mm. someone within the band. Is that true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Guilty look. Okay, we'll call that a yes. I don't know how much Okay, I'm so B will announce next week that uh, Nija tonight's getting a renovation. Secrets. Is that I'm not right? allowed to say many. I'd, uh, yes, let's just hope <laughs> it's going to happen. It'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, next item of news. Um, I heard an In Excess podcast this week mm. that was dedicated to the band and it wasn't ours. So oh. far be it from jealousy. And there's no jealousy here. Anyone who can do a podcast and highlight the benefits of In Excess, I'm all in praising and all in promoting. Yes. So who are I would they? like uh, our listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, I would like our. <laughs> you jealous, B? No. <laughs> I can see you're jealous a bit, aren't you? A little bit. A little bit. He's very territorial, yeah. okay? I'm more open-minded. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> anyway, this podcast is called The Ultimate Album. So they're not dedicated in excess like us, no. but they, they generally will talk about albums and, you know, et cetera. They've done one, I think, on I think one on Prince coming up and they've done different album deep dives, et cetera, there. Um, when I say The Ultimate Album, it's not uh, reviewing an album. What they're doing is putting that artist together and coming up with what they think is the ultimate album for that artist in oh. the sense of, in In Excess's case, they went through their catalogue and said, well, there's two guys and they have to pick their best 15 songs each and come up with an album. Yeah. So it's a bit like our Spotify play- yeah. playlist. They just put their top five In Excess songs in each mm. and compare them now. But only chart um, songs? No, no, oh, anything. It doesn't anything. have to be, oh, you know, charts can be album tracks or whatever. So. You know, it was a it was a really enjoyable podcast. I felt like these guys had a reasonable knowledge and appreciation for the band. It wasn't sort of a smart assy sort of sort of uh, ignorance of you know post nineteen ninety one. They they acknowledged um, you know post X and things like that with some of the tracks and things. Oh, good on it. Uh, but it's called the ultimate album. Uh, it's two Aussie guys. Um, and again, if you plug that in and then put in excess in, I'm sure it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and what they do, they do, you know, they gloss over a little, a little bit of some things, but they, they really have an eye to the, some of the musical elements of things. So if you are a bit of a muse, I would probably, you'll appreciate it. Mm. But they're generally very positive and praising um, of, the, of the band. And um, as a bit of a hint, they couldn't come up with 15. They got to like 18. They threw <laughs> extras in because they couldn't There you go. What does that say 15. for you? Yeah. Hey, so good that's them. pretty cool. Um, oh, you, so, what's their names? Yeah, so again... I don't know their names. I, I can't quite remember. But the, the podcast is called The Ultimate Album. Okay. And if you went Ultimate Album Podcast slash In Excess, I'm sure it'll pop up because um, that's what I do when I'm trying to find anything about In Excess up there. I, I, I sometimes will just put that into a search engine. And anyone who's talking about our band and, and favorably and positively, I love it. And anyone who talks critically mm. or gives their opinion but backs it up with their own opinions, you know, I'm interested in hearing what they have to say. So the more love and the more promotion for the band out there, the better. Um, as B's putting a fist in the air saying, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. Um, but that's the news of the week. Hey, this is Tim Farris, and you're listening to Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Hey. And now for Topic of the Week. Deep dive into Kirk Pengilly, the surname that I always spell incorrectly, and I'm sure he's corrected people his whole life. But I have practiced this episode, and it really is simple. It is P E N G I L Y. No H in Pengilly. So, and only, well, two L's in it, not one L. So, huh? H for hero. Well, look. cool I, I reckon Kirk is a cool name and Kirk's a pretty cool guy mm. even if he wears glasses okay because back when he was wearing glasses it was not cool but you know what I reckon it is cool now when we look back over time and Kirk is a cool dude okay as B says to me I'm wearing glasses too <laughs> Kirk okay let's give a bit of background for those who don't know much about Kirk okay Kirk uh, recently I think just turned 62 in July so uh, he's a sprite-looking uh, 62-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in Melbourne in a place called Q, K-E-W-Q, which is only hip and hip, hip scop and a, and a jump uh, away from where I live. Uh, him and Tim, I guess, over the journey have uh, been pretty good mates, I think, in the early days. Uh, and uh, I guess their relationship, you know, has really stood firm over the sort of the relate over the duration of the band. So if you actually look back at a lot of the media over time, you often see Tim and Kirk doing media together and it was probably part of their contribution to the band um, whilst Michael was off gallivanting around the world and mm. Andrew was, uh, you know, st- stuck there in the studio doing lots and lots of uh, songwriting. But um, Kirk's, a, you know, as we all know, is a multi-instrumental, multi-instrumentalist. Um, his contribution both through sort of lead guitar and, and through saxophone and 
uh, backup vocals, I think B can't be underestimated. His, his vocals are fantastic, aren't they? They really, really do match up with Michael's um, baritone. But um, yeah, so, so, so I didn't realise he was from Kew. That's not that far from you then. No, no, just down the road. And um, mm. look, obviously he's a, a Sydney sider really through, I think, his childhood and growing up and mm. living there now in the northern beaches and things. But um, yeah, look, you know, I think for Kirk, you know, we're excited to talk about him today uh, mm. because there's a bit of variety, you know, in what music he plays and his contribution to the band and uh, some of the song co-writes that he's involved with. And um, again, you know, for, for those out there who go, oh, NXS was just Michael and without nope. Michael they're nothing. Well, no, they're not. They, Kirk was very instrumental, mm. pardon the pun, in his contribution to the band. Mm. And, uh, you know, we hope today's episode goes a long way of, of educating and serving and, and recognising Kirk's career and contribution. And um, I think we're going to kick things off with a little bit of a musical montage. And these have, I guess, Kirk's uh, fingerprints all over them. Mm-hmm. So take it away, B. Sure. Crank this up, everyone.
of a montage there B was there any surprises in there you go oh, well I didn't know he was on that one oh that's pretty cool anything stand out for you um, any favourites what's my favourites oh gosh um, well good times bad times obviously the play in for us I mean that is just yep. an epic song I'm to have co-wrote that that's fantastic golden playpen because that's always in my head just lately and bite yep. bullets yay <laughs> cool <laughs> Well, look, just I guess going back, you know, when we look at a bit of a chronology there, you know, Kirk, uh, I think didn't really, you know, I think there was he got a lot of co-writes on the first album along with the other band members. Mm. So we're not probably going to highlight those per se, but in terms of more specific songwriting contributions, on the second album, uh, the third single, Night of Rebellion, uh, was a Kirk co-write, and Kirk had a pretty probably the strongest backup vocal, you know, mm. contribution in terms of. Uh, I want to say just quality. I think the Don't Change backup vocal is probably a better quality one. Um, but the Night, Night of Rebellion, he gets a bit more of a sort of a vocal add-on to that. Um, and that was off Underneath the Colours and also Follow, mm. which was un- off Underneath the Colours. So, t- you know, Kirk started, you know, contributing quite a bit on that second album in terms of the songwriting. Um, I guess, as you said, Golden Playpen. I think we added that to our Spotify playlist yeah. the other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said that was in my head. And you know what's funny, B? As soon as I added to the playlist, I stopped even. It went out of my head. It was the worm stopped. Really? So that might so have been you, a higher authority really? or someone like that telling me to add it to the, to, to the playlist. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Golden Playpen, you know, Shabu Shabar, third album, continued sort of Kirk contributing, I guess, uh, to that album. Um, uh, off the swing, we had Face the Change, where I think it was a co-write uh, with Michael, uh, which Kirk uh, contributed to the swing. Um, the intro song, Good and Bad Times, look, it is a bit of a favourite of mine. 
uh, of Kirks and Michaels together. Uh, it's a real thumping sort of bass line and, and uh, you know, crunchy guitars, etc. there mm. uh, with a big saxophone part to it. Uh, so off Listen Like Thieves, Kirk, uh, I guess, was writing a bit more with Michael again. And uh, then I had that song followed, uh, I think, on the album by Biting Bullets, which was uh, the next song. Uh, that has that sort of little Japanesey sort of mm, tingy sound to it. It's a bit it's like a great sort of song. feels like it might have been made or you know recorded around the swing time because it's got a little bit of that sort of Japanese feel to it. Um, but uh, yeah, and then look, I guess going into sort of Kick and X and sort mm-hmm. of Welcome and those albums, you know, you know, a lot of the songwriting duties did get sort of pioneered by, or sort of I guess not pioneered, but probably. Um, taken over I guess by Andrew and Michael through you know Chris Thomas and through the decision for Michael and Andrew to really write kick and um, John sort of put more you know song rights into X and, and then Welcome and Full Moon came along so Kirk sort of really didn't have many more other tracks added although uh, on the Switch album one of the latter songs on that he wrote with uh, a, a, well an X um, uh, I not say colleague, but you know, there was a, a guy called Huey, I think Huey Murray, that Kirk mm. had produced an album for them in the late 80s. And uh, I think Huey and Kirk wrote Like It or Not, which I really rate as a song off Switch. Um, mm. And you probably some people may not have heard it, but heard a bit of it just then. Mm. I think it's quite a really, really good and strong song. Strong um, song, yeah. And that was sort of uh, one we heard then on that montage B. Yeah. Yeah, I popped it. I popped it in just at the very end there. Although, no, don't yeah. change back was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah, well, look, um, yeah, you're a big fan of Original Sin, uh, mm. the, the re-record album. I like it too. Um, tell us a bit about you know how you feel about Kirk and Andrew singing the acoustic version of that, which I think Qantas might have. Uh, uh, used in some of their advertising, you know, as a as a song for their choir and things. But how do you how do you feel about Kirk and Andrew singing an acoustic version of Don't Change? Right, you're gonna hate me. I know people hate me, but at first I didn't like it. I must admit, it took yep. me a long time to really get into it because it's just slowed down. It's a different version, and there's like no enthusiasm and it's just so completely different to what you want don't change to sound like so i used to not really enjoy it but now i just yeah i feel the emotions more and i want to listen to it i must admit do you feel like that or Mm. am i being am i being a bit crucial no no i mean look it's it's hard isn't it when you Mm. you know used to something and then something comes back in a bit of a different format i i mean Mm. off that album i i actually now as a song like the beautiful girl version better than the original and I, and it's not saying i don't like the original beautiful girl version of welcome i love it yeah but i think what john did in reworking that song yeah. into a bit more of an epic yeah um, it's like the stairs taken, it's like yeah, the stairs for it, me i love the stairs more on that album than i do the original yeah look i think they do a great version of that mm. and i think it says a lot about john's sort of musicianship in mm. putting that together but um, you know, you can like both, I guess, is, yes, is what we're saying. Um, that's what we're saying. You can like both versions that don't change. <laughs> <I didn't> um, <laughs> some of the Australian listeners that we have might know of a guy called John Farnham, and I know he had some success in the UK. Uh, before he really broke out here in his sort of, you know, in his big comeback album after having a few years, years in the wilderness, uh, in about 1980, John Farnham did a version of Help. Uh, you know, the song by the Beatles. And mm. if you think back to the John Lennon version, it's a very uppity song like, help me if you can, I'm feeling down. Mm. You know, it's it's quite a sort of a, a serious lyric with a sort of an up-tempo beat. Yeah. And sometimes they, they cut against each other. 
Um, I know that uh, when John Farnham did a version of it, it was a slowed down version of it, a bit like Don't Change, slowing mm. down a song and taking from an anthem to a more of a sort of a, a, a low-key ballad type version. And Prince Charles, who was out in Australia, who saw John sing, actually ranked the version, you know, much better than the Beatles. And he liked the Beatles one, but he thought the, the, the John Farnham John's version was really good. So ah. we may find a way of excerpting that into an episode in the future, but, you know, yeah. you can Google it or, you know, yeah. YouTube it. But, uh, yeah, I think you can like both Don't Change versions. And I think mm. Kirk vocally does a good job on along, you know, with Andrew. I think look, Kirk's got better vocals than Andrew, with, you know, being frank. And uh, I think, um, okay. you know, it resonates uh, very, very strongly there. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's one of those songs that does grow on you. Well, that version does grow on you quite yeah. a lot um, because of yeah, the rawness yeah. of them with the, like more of an acoustic as well. And I guess now sort of, you know, going into a bit more about sort of Kirk, you know, and his sort of situation, you know, if I look look at his sort of contribution, and as I said earlier, you know, he's been really quite strong sort of in the media side and the promotions and PR side of the band. Mm. Um you know, often, you know, going back over the journey, you know, from an interview point of view, I reckon Tim and Kirk probably handled sort of, you know, 50% yeah, but of if, the band's media and the other four guys probably handled the other 50%, yeah, you know, if, if you, that. But um, if you think about it, though, that actually started from the very beginning because it was their band yep. in a way. They, they're, they're the ones that wanted it, didn't they? They, they? they had the talent and they had the go and the passion them and then they just needed the other guys in there to uh, to, to form well, the yeah, band more but they were there they, it's, it's written somewhere that you know they were the treasurer they were the manager they were the drive you know um, yep. putting the posters up and stuff it was them too yeah well i mean when you got six people you want to deploy you know your assets or resources without saying too corporate mm. to the best of you know their time and abilities and energies and Sometimes bands, you know, and, you know, I like the Killers and things, but the Killers are probably, a, 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 there's only two or three, I think maybe actually two guys who are the mainstays of the Killers and the other guys don't even tour anymore. You know, they get session players in. You know, I think within Excess, you know, they lasted, you know, from their sort of recording through all the way through to Michael's unfortunate passing for, for close to 20 years. Mm. And each particular band member contributed something major to the band. Now, if you look mm. at Andrew... Andrew wasn't a major promoter of the band, you know, the media guy, the one talking themselves up, but he was the the, the great guy behind the scenes writing the melodies and the yeah. tunes and the, the music base for Michael's lyrics. Mm. You know, Michael was the front man, probably doing some of the big, you know, Michael would go to the opening of an envelope, you know, he was mm. always he was always <laughs> there, um, you know, you know, in London and New York and at Fashion Weeks and yeah. he was always the guy, Neon Lights, being sort of the, you know, the front man, so to yeah. speak, both on stage and off stage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess the media's insatiable appetite for him probably made him retreat from promoting the band and doing a lot of stuff, especially in the second half of their career, because mm. it would have never ended. Mag Mag could you imagine how many requests from journos around Kick wanted to interview Michael? Oh, gosh, like, yeah. Could you imagine just how many people were probably wanting to speak he to him? He was the top guy so of the day, wasn't he? I guess relating back to Kirk, you know, Kirk has taken on quite a lot of the media, mm. along with Tim for the band, um, and, you know, when I always used to listen to Kirk, something that I always remember him being interviewed, and it might have been outside a big um, uh, festival exhibition in Europe, and it was a, it was, he was speaking for about 10, 15 minutes in this interview, and he said, look, one of the things that's really important for me and the band is that we matter musically. Mm. And 
as a guy who was probably 18, 19, 20 at the time, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah you matter musically, but I didn't really resonate with what he meant. And over mm. the years, as I've got older, mm. I really understand that because if you actually think about it, what's more important, a number one hit or yep. a great song? Yeah. Okay, and what I mean by that is that Don't Change peaked at 80 in America. Um, yet, you know, do the Chumbawamba, you know, uh, I'm a Barbie girl, whatever. Um, you know, uh, you know, um, girls just want to have fun. Sorry, Cindy. I mean, these songs, you know, in some respects, aren't artistic statements. Yeah. And I think when I think back to Kirk saying we want to matter musically, that's that example there. You know, you can yeah. have a number one hit, but it can be tomorrow's toilet paper. Whereas yeah. a song like Don't Change might have got number eight. They want to be proud of but what it matters they put musically. Out. Yeah, and they want to be proud it of what puts, musically. puts out and to their peers as well in music, the other musos. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But you're so, right. <laughs> Go on. Keep going, yeah. No, I was just gonna say you're 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 right. Each each one of them had a little little part to play within their within the band, as you say. Um I think yes, he was a lot about the media as well, but um just all the instruments that he could play and pick up. He was a very clever man. Or is a very clever man. He's, he's yeah. um, self-taught in a lot of things. He, 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 I read somewhere that he learnt to play the guitar at the age of nine himself, mm. picked up the mm. trumpet, picked up the saxophone while on tour. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Who can do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I think, you know, the word often texture in, in sort of music is something that, you know, really in a way means, you know, what type of palette or sounds do, does a band come up with? and. Mm. You know, I think the saxophone part of Inexcess's career was probably more symbolic in the 80s than the 90s as, you know, musical tastes evolved and things. But, um, you know, Kirk uh, wasn't sort of, you know, trying to be Miles Davis, you know, and also trying to do long jazzy type sort of solos, etc. there with the saxophone. But if you look at a song like What You Need, that sort of sax mm. uh, breakout on that particular, you know, part of the song mm. absolutely is a bedrock to then Michael, you know, yeah. afterwards coming in with his sort of yeah. vocal, you know, yeah, Don't yeah, You Get yeah. Sad and Lonely and yeah. and the saxophone at the end. And he, he just had great little flourishes with the saxophone in songs that weren't self-indulgent yeah. but really added to the sort of the sound palette of the band. It just threaded it together didn't it really nicely it was like a little sewn up little package perfect i love the fact that he's the well mr rhythm sensation yeah of course oh did you not get it with my fantastic well i i did i mean you probably it's good it's a good segue into a bit about his guitar playing i mean i I think that, you know, in excess, we're always careful not to be sort of progressive rock, like, you know, having, you know, 14 minute guitar solos. And, you know, I love Pink Floyd, but sometimes they can get a bit self-indulgent, you know. Um, I look at a song like um, Devil Inside, it's probably the, the longest guitar solo bit in any in excess sort of song. Mm. But that's pretty much Kirk. Um, it, it sort of highlights his musicianship to, sometimes as we see in songs that one minute he's playing guitar, then he's pulling the saxophone out, then he's going back uh, to the guitar and, and he's, he's doing backup vocals yeah, on the same song. I know, I know, I know. You know a especially live on stage, <laughs> it happened live and you go, wow, well, yeah. you know, 
Really, uh, you're working, man. <laughs> Put it out there. Actually, funny enough that you should mention Devil Inside, but um, I've heard Tim say that's probably the out of all of their songs that they've done is the, the biggest workout for them. Right. Devil Inside. I could, yeah, I could see that. Vocally, you know, when unfortunately Michael passed, there was a bit of a period there where they thought, well, I remember Tim saying, oh, don't worry, we'll get him out the front soon. He's a bit shy or whatever there. And they did toy or contemplate getting Kirk out and sort of, you know, lead vocals there. And I, look, I was I was very fortunate around May uh, 2000, I think it was, literally just gone 20 years, where NXS played their first concert after Michael passed. And it was at a place called the Mercury Lounge in Melbourne. And I think our friend MM was there and I was there and there were people from Chicago and people all around the world flew in and, you know, it was a couple of maybe thousand people there or whatever, but it was at this sort of, uh, you know, nightclub sort of staged area there in the Crown Casino in Melbourne. And uh, Kirk uh, that night sung uh, Shine Like It Does as a bit of a tribute to Michael and I think he may have done that a few times thereafter. And, you know, vocally he's strong, you know, you listen to it and go, wow, like... He can, mm. you know, hit various registers and things like that. Um, I think he was the sort of the reluctant mm. sort of, you know, uh, singer in some ways. But he's always generally, if you isolate, you you know, your headphones and things, he's the one you can hear mostly on backup, backup vocals, especially mm. during "Don't Change." I think that's where I've always found I can hear him quite strongly. Mm. Um, but uh, mm. yeah, he he works. You know, I reckon a night at a concert for Kirk. I reckon he's probably the one who comes off the the most tied behind probably the energies of the lead singer, you know, Michael in yeah. his day. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Kirk every time they go yeah. to play. Because could you imagine, you think back to even Wembley. You I think can't back to Wembley it. when he has to hit that saxophone yeah, bit for Never Tear Us Apart every yeah. night on, 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 on song. Um, I'd, I'd shit myself. There'd be a bit of pressure with that, especially <laughs> Wembley when he was, he walks up right up high and, st- and does the, the saxophone, saxophone bit, which is an... And an amazing sort of uh, Kirk contribution live and also on the on the video, but I'd be absolutely shitting myself. Yeah. And he just pulls it off every time. Yeah, no, he's amazing. I think he's such an amazing guy. You know, he's always he looks like he's always the butt of the jokes as well, and he does he takes it all on his chin, doesn't he? And they're always like it's all Kirk's fault, and they used to shave his <laughs> eyebrows off, and God knows what well, they did to him. But he, 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 I reckon there's a lot more to him. I really, really want to get him on the show and have a chat with him because um, I think he's a lot cleverer than you think well, as well. Well, maybe it's good now because I know, you know, you, you've done a bit of a deep dive into some of the little anecdotes about Kirk and I've got a few myself, etc. as well. So I'm going to mm. share a couple with you and, you know, you may know these, you may not, but we'll just, I'll test you out and you can test me out. How does that sound? Okay. Okay. All right. Now, yeah, I, you know, was a very studious reader and probably of all the NXS articles back, especially in the early 90s and things. And I remember the song Shining Star came out in 1991 as the uh, sort of album track to sort of, uh, you know, coexist on the live album. And 
Uh, I remember reading that not long after, Kirk said, yeah, I didn't really like it that much, you know, it's not a song that I'm a big fan of playing and mm. blah, blah, blah. I did get a, to meet Kirk, you know, probably yeah. six, 12 months after that particular comment and uh, we're talking about music and I said, oh, you don't like Shining Star, do you? He goes, oh, no, I hate that song, you know, don't like the lyrics and blah, blah, blah. And I, I sort of went back and probably listened to him a bit closer, but and it is probably... You know, I got a plan to make you a star, make you go rich, make you go far. Well, I think I think he thinks the lyrics were a bit cynical. Um, so, you know, I, I've never seen them play it live. I don't, like, you know, MM's probably seen it live in Budapest somewhere, and uh, but I haven't. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was just a little anecdote about a certain song that he didn't like uh, per se. Tim liked it. Tim, yeah. I remember Tim saying, "Oh, this is like it's the cl- the Clash meets Roxy music. This is awesome." But yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's 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 on the um, the end of the Wembley um, concert. Um, yeah, yeah, CD, and, isn't and, it? And, and John Lamoureux played it as the lead-in song for his podcast the other week. If you noticed, yes, he did. Yeah, I think it's a great song. Shut up, Kirk. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> obviously you know um has been quite a, a big contributor to you know uh, glaucoma australia which is a charity mm. for those suffering from glaucoma glaucoma which is a, an issue with the eyes and i know kirk's had some run-ins where his eyesight's been close to sort of failing him at different times and i know him and, and lane his partner do a lot of you know charity work um, a lot of work behind the scenes with various charities but i know he's been a spokesperson for glaucoma australia every year and um, and been quite helpful in that cause of raising revenue for that. So I think that's that's fantastic. Um, a negative of Kirk B. I'm going to give you a couple of negatives. A couple of things I'm not happy about with Mr. Pengilly. I know this will shock you because I know you hate criticism. Mm-hmm. But Kirk has been on reality TV. <laughs> now, Kirk, <laughs> Master Chef. I know you came second in Australian celebrity celebrity Master Chef, but you know, Kirk, I didn't like. <laughs> seeing you stand there having some fat fat chef from the UK probably a couple of them give you a hard time because your pasta was a bit gluggy (laughs) so then Kirk you signed up for the show Mm. so you got to cop it Mm. now Kirk also in the 90s I do believe you were on Celebrity Squares which is like the blankety blanks version of game show and you were on there for a week or two I did nearly spew up my porridge when I saw you that morning when the show came on but Kirk I will say this to you All's forgiven mm. because of Never Tear Us Apart solo at Wembley and also in the film. Is that the balance? <laughs> but just mark my words, Kirk, if you are listening ever to this, no more reality TV, no more game shows, please. Oh, B? Leave them alone. Over to you. Over to me. <laughs> I, th- I hey, think... This is an honest podcast. <laughs> We're highlighting all the good. Yeah. But if we see something that's being called out on, well, Kirk's acting career or... Well, actually, he did some acting. Those shows were more appearances. He did a bit of acting in the miniseries. Do you remember that? Did he? Did he? Did you know he was in the In Excess miniseries? Not, not, not himself playing himself, but, but he was in the, in the Never Tear Us Apart miniseries. Do you know? I don't remember that bit. And Tim was as well. Was he? I've got to go back. I didn't see that they bit. They are. What? 
there's a scene where the media are interviewing the band, as mm. in the fictitious version of the mm. band, and they're part of the media ah, standing there. I will have to look back. Little, little hidden it thing has, for fans I must, out there. I must admit, I watched it when it was on the TV and I haven't revisited it yet. Okay, So I do enough. need to do that. Someone has um, actually promised me... Now, I had me, a bit of a quick... Prom- someone <laughs> has actually promised me the DVD and I'm still waiting. Oh. Mm. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I thought I would ask you this question, B, about Kirk, and I think this is right up your okay. alley. Right. Okay. Now, I'm going to use a certain word. Okay, not the word that you want to use, but I'm going to say to you as a male, when was Kirk looking the coolest in in excess? What period of time? We're talking early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, now. When You might say sexy. I'm going to say coolest. I, I would like to okay. say coolest when did, too. When did he look the coolest? <laughs> I'd, like to, huh? I'd like to say coolest too. There was a time where okay. he actually did take his glasses off and you see how handsome he actually is. He's quite a handsome man. <laughs> but he just doesn't... Are you saying that he's ugly no, with glasses on? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no, but Kurt's... Huh? Not, will you let me speak? <laughs> okay. Kurt, and I'm sorry, everybody, there's a few people that doesn't, don't like me giggling, so I do apologise. It's it's just me. I'm sorry. Oh, bugger bugger them. them. They've got 14 followers. Yeah, they've got 14 followers. Um, <laughs> okay, he took the glasses off. Yeah. What period of time? So, when, when was that? I can't when that? Anyway, but it's more that he, he goofs himself up quite a bit, doesn't he? With silly haircuts and God knows what. But I think he looked pretty hot, right. cool, hot when he did the Wembley. He looked really good there. Yeah. 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 Um, and there were some times just All in right. the late 80s, he was looking pretty fine too. There's quite a few, he's yeah. got a, quite a few followers, you know. Well, I'll, I'll share. I reckon in 90, sort of 2, 93, around sort of heaven sent, around the welcome oh, full moon Oh, when he part, was going through his grungy he, bit. He was getting into the yeah, grungy coat. He had the long hair, good. the beard going. Yeah. He had the beard going. He had the long hair. Mm. He often wore the, he wore the singlet. Yeah, and he roughed his hair up a bit, and didn't he? Yeah, hair was long. It was, uh, you know, long and beard was long. He had the sunglasses on instead of the glasses. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll call it grungy era Kirk. Okay. Someone put a picture okay, of him but, in his uh, leopard. That was, <laughs> Come on. We're talking over each other. Well, look, that, 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 was, the, that was the time that uh, I think he just married Denny Hines, Australian singer, daughter of Marsha. By marrying her and having access to her near the band, was that she sung backup vocals, oh. his wife at the time, on Not Enough Time, oh. which is pretty cool. pretty cool. So um, credit to that, which is, which is good. But uh, give me some of your anecdotes. Share some little tidbits of me, uh, to me about Kirk that you know and we can share with the listeners who may not know so, these things. So did you know that Kirk, from a very young age, has been writing diaries and he's got a diary of all the times that they were away? Did you know that? Did you know that? You're nodding your head. You did. I, I had. Not, so I'm holding out for the Kirk Diaries yeah. coming out one day. Yes, that would be awesome. He, I reckon, uh, yeah, a, a decade or two ago, mm-hmm. he was going to publish that or whatever there, you know, and it probably might be something he does in the future. But every day and every week since the band started, he's been mm-hmm. charting some sort of information. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Oh, of course. We'd read it, wouldn't we? Be fantastic. Be a yeah. great picture book to actually read yeah. his writing as well. Be really cool. Yeah. Um, Keep going. Give me what more. What else do I know? The, he he he's one of those. Um, he looks like he was in quite a bohemian family, and that they actually 
um, when they moved from Melbourne, they moved to the northern beaches, but they moved to a, a beautiful spot sort of nestled off the Hawkesbury River called Cottage Point. And the house was um, in, a, in a rock and they sort of, I think they lived off the grid as well. And it was very isolated. And I've been up there and it is, it's so beautiful. Like you, it's very Australian, you know, the, the big wide rivers and the bushland and kangaroos and just jumping around everywhere. It's just beautiful. So to have been brought up there must have been very inspirational, uh, inspiring. And he had three brothers that were also musos. So you can imagine what the house was like, everyone playing guitars and their musical instruments, because if they're off the grid, I just had a very romantic image in my head of that, I must admit. And then then he met Tim and Tim's wife, Buffy, they were all at school together. Yeah. And, um, And that was the beginning of In Excess, I would say. Wouldn't you, yeah. Guinness? <laughs> well, Kirk, a couple of little things musically wise. You know, he's a multi instrumentalist. He's popped up in various, uh, you know, production roles along with Tim. He's, he, we talked about Richard Clapton a few weeks ago with John. I know he provided some saxophone for some of Richard's albums. Um, a cool one that I saw only recently, that uh, maybe about six months ago, that an Australian artist called Jenny Morris that Andrew's had a fair bit to deal with. Um, and she's had a lot of hits and things down here. Uh, Prince loved her so much, he invited Jenny to tour with Prince back in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Um, there's a song, Gonna Get Hurt, uh, which is a great video. Um, there's definitely a Kirk playing in it with no glasses Whoa. on in about 1986. So if you want to see Kirk at about uh, oh, 28 years old with no glasses on, in a happy face, mm. playing in the uh, You're Gonna Get Hurt uh, video clip, you can go back and do a deep dive for that. Um, but yeah, I think look, you know, with, with Kirk, um, uh, you know, in a band, you know, like you would just, I think if you're going on live and playing somewhere, you'd feel really great knowing you've got someone like him in your band mm. who's just solid. You know, he was a committed, committed guy. I mean, they're all committed, but you know, he, you know, as you said earlier, committed to learning new instruments, mm. you know, trumpets, saxophones, learning on the run, whilst you know, after joining a band, is is courage in itself because it's easier to sort of just do what you know. Mm. Um, I think, you know, uh, I, I would love to think that Kirk has got some deep tracks or some material. I know he contributed some B-sides, etc., around the welcome, sort of wherever you are time. I know there was a song called Patar Speaks and Ashtar Speaks, they're very Indian influence mm. sort of stuff there. They were quite cool B-sides mm. that we'll explore later on. But um, I just reckon, you know, having Kirk in your band, having Kirk, you know, as your mate, having Kirk... Uh, on stage, you know, with his versatility and and commitment, um, you just become yeah. better, and you probably are a better person knowing him. Yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, from the outside of looking in, that's what I sense. I see the mateship with Tim, I see the commitment to the band and commitment to versatility. Mm. Um, uh, the only, <laughs> so I'm talking him up. The only funny thing I can think back to Kirk, like uh, for those who don't know, Kirk probably came up with the idea for Rockstar he in did. Excess. It was his idea. Yes. Uh, initially, uh, that sort of was the sort of the germination of the of it, of it coming to fruition. Um, but uh, one of the episodes, and this is I, I do laugh at this one. There was um, I think J D Fortune when he was doing a vocal, um, and there was a guitar break in the song. Normally, sort of in a band, you know, the the spotlight then goes over to the guitarist, you know, during the non-vocal bit. 
but I think uh, JD was sort of you know doing his antics on stage during the sort of the, this audition on the show and and was taking attention away from the guitarist. And I remember <laughs> I remember when Kirk had to do the review of the sort of the song. He said, "Oh, you know, JD." I don't like it when sort of vocalists sort of take attention away from the guitar breaks or something like that when it was like his spotlight time. And typical in excess, man, and I think Tim and the other one said, and go, oh, shut the fuck up, Kirk, or, you know, shut up. <laughs> you, know, cool. you know, don't get so sensitive or something oh. like that. But it's probably the only time I've seen Talk Kirk on. be a bit of a prima donna about something. <laughs> but uh, I'm reading here, yeah, though, Hayden, I'd, I'd that he also had a, quite a few What's synonym that? names that he used, which were quite funny. Yeah, oh, did he? yeah. Okay. Um, yeah sure. Andy Clockwise, <laughs> Barry Barry Tone, <laughs> and Ken Nuggets. <laughs> okay. And Nuggets, and Lester yeah. Mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. funny, funny, funny. Well, look, you know, um, again, look, we hope people have sort of enjoyed and sort of feel like they know Kirk a little bit better from sort of this episode. And, um, you know, there's probably more little tidbits we could sort of share, but we think we've sort of probably covered as oh, you know, a lot of the main things. Oh, we must mention Inner Origin. Yeah. We must mention. Uh, what's inner that? Inner Origin is um, something that um, Kirk and Lane are um, involved in, and that's about health. So if oh, you're, charity, it's yeah. not a charity. No, no, it's not a charity. No, no you can. Um, no, it's like an online um, health um, hub. So you can go on there, get vitamins right, okay. and health advice and food. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay. I think it's an app. I'm not really sure. Um, okay. But um, yeah, if, we, if we'd like to plug that for you, um, um, Kurt, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? And look, you know, the invitation, Kirk, uh, if you'd like to come onto our show at some particular point, uh, giving you to all the media, uh, mm. we'd love to have you come on to our podcast and really sort of go into a bit more about your musical contributions to the band and maybe ask things that maybe other interviewers have never asked you before, mm. uh, you know, about your contributions and your feelings and, you know, just your experiences with the band. So, mm. um, but other than that, we'll look, um, when you listen to some of these songs again or when you are having an in excess week sort of going forward or in excess, you know, uh, songathon. Uh, keep your ears open for Kirk. I know yes. a few people suddenly listened recently to the drumming. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, go back and listen to some of the guitar breaks. Look at yeah. the film clips where Kirk's playing some of the lead. Look at, look at, listen to the saxophones. Listen to the backup vocals. Backups. You yeah. know, identify what it is that Kirk has brought mm-hmm. to the band now that maybe you do know what to look for. Yes. Good one. Cool. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! US Radio 1984, original Sin single. Coming off the backdrop of Shabu Shabar and multiple tours of America, In Excess have just recruited Noel Rogers and Daryl Hall. Momentum is at its best. Original Sin has just gone number one in Oz, France, and storming up the charts globally. MTV is at its zenith, taking risks globally for all its artists. Water Music, in excess label, are excited about their prospects internationally. Assumptions. So, you'd think in excess, Original Sin release would take them into the USA stratosphere along with their chart contemporaries, Duran Duran, The Police, and Simple Minds. Radio response? They ban the song. Chart result? Hits only number 58. Legacy effect? They take two more years to record a top five hit with what you need. The momentum was curbed by original sin. Prevented them from the double album lift. The swing should have been Listen Like Thieves Sales. Listen Like Thieves Sales should have been Kick Sales. And Kick should have been Dark Side of the Moon Sales speaking. 
Fast forward to 2020. Irony. We now live in a woke world where such a song with thoughtful and worthy lyrics would be celebrated, acknowledged and recognised, most likely with a Grammy, for song of the year with its sensible and racial political overtones. Summary. Oh, the justice. The fight continues. Okay, and now we're going into the segment of Pleasure and Pain. I'm going to go straight into my first one, and uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood and relax. Don't you ever- That was a big hit of 84. I still mm. think it sounds great these days. I think people at the time didn't quite realise the subtext of that song. Well, you didn't. Uh, you, you were a bit younger, weren't you? <laughs> not there's anything wrong with that, as Seinfeld would say. But, uh, yeah, there was a bit of subtext in the mm. lyrics and things of that song. But uh, those who don't know, that was produced by a guy called Trevor Horn, yep. who was the original guy behind Video Killed the Radio Star. That's right. So That's big right. productions, big 80s productions. It took a long time to work on. Good mm. choice. Mm. Mm. It was massive over in England. We had the T-shirts. I had the relaxed T-shirt yeah. on. A boyfriend at the time, yeah, <laughs> had it on. And, it, and the, even their next song, like Two Tribes, that was a ripper as well. Yeah, yeah. And if you can, go back and watch it on um, the Tube. You remember the Tube with Paula and Jules yep. Holland? And they do a live <laughs> yep. version there. And, and they've got, oh, they've wow. got two prostitutes in, um, in the background. Oh. Yes, that's all I'm going to say. Oh. But it's quite interesting. <laughs> anyway, okay. what's your I'm next one, Hayden? <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving along. Okay, well, sticking with the UK sort of flavour of things... Uh, I love this song then. I still think it's great now. I love the introduction. Um, and the film clip was like a live setting, but it had this like tidal wave of water sort of hit the audience. And it was called The Reflex.
perfect. Love that song. I'm not a Durani, but that song is just epic. Epic. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it's taken us 12 episodes, but I had to get a Brummy artist on to support you, and I've found one. <laughs> a couple. Yeah. There's Nick and John are both Brummies. I think even... Well, those who don't know what Brummies is, people from Birmingham. Birmingham. So, uh, or, yes. Or. But it still sounds fresh and exciting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really does. Really, really does. It doesn't age, does it, that song at all? Okay, my next one. This is a really cool song. You ready for this? Grandmaster Flash, White Lines. Peace. And dreams of passion And all the while I think of you A very strange reaction The more I see, the more I do Baby Ride, white line highway, tell all your friends they can go my way, pay your toll, sell your soul, pound for pound, cost more than gold. The longer you stay, the more you pay. My white lines go a long way, either up your nose or through your vein, with nothing to gain except killing your brain. Cool choice, B. You're mm. very cutting edge. The real mm. sort of streets of New York there with a, a little bit of uh, Grandmaster Flash. Mm. little interesting one. I had Duran Duran on and then you put Grandmaster Flash on, but did you know Ooh. Duran Duran actually covered that song in 1995. I think they did, yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Have, I think it was 95 or it might have been 2000, whatever, but they did a covers album and they did White Lines, which unfortunately got reviewed as the worst cover version of all time of a song, but I, I, think, it, I think it was pretty good, the Duran Duran version, but not like the original one you put on. Good choice. Well, I actually went to see um, in, um, oh God, not in excess. I went to see Duran Duran live in concert in 2004 and they sang it, actually. It was very good. Mm. Very good. Your right. turn, your My turn. My choice, number two. Okay, all right. Well, this one uh, was a posthumous release from an iconic artist who had his uh, unfortunate demise on the streets of New York. It's John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And the song, I used to always think it was called Nobody Told Me There'd Be Days Like These, but it's actually called Strange Days. Oh, yeah. But the lyric, as you will hear, makes sense. So Gorgeous. take it away, B. No worries. Oh. Just below the stairs Always something happening And nothing going on There's always something cooking And nothing in the pot They're starving back in China So finish what you got had oh, an amazing loss though hey he was such an amazing guy 
such a big hole when he left. It used to always confuse me when artists would come out three, four years later after they died. I'm like, oh, how did that mm. actually happen? <laughs> as a kid, you didn't quite connect the dots. But that song I just put on was a, a song that uh, was quite interesting. I read about it the other day. It was um, not added, well, wasn't on the Double Fantasy album. I think John said it didn't sort of fit the sort of domestic type sort of theme mm. of the album. It was a bit more of an up-tempo sort of track. And he was going to come back and record another version of that song or another vocal to layer it on oh. uh, to what he wanted as the final version of, of uh, Strange Days. Yeah. And unfortunately, he was killed the day before. Um, so they had the, just the raw vocal. and mm. uh, But it was a hit. It went top 10. Yeah. And, you know, it's a great thumping sort of song. So, yeah, mm. yeah 984, that one came Good out. Good choice, Mr. Murdoch. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Over okay. to you, number three. I'm interested in this one. I, we get, we're going uh, real sort of uh, Eastern Europe now, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, like, yeah, yeah the, this song, my dad told me about this song and, and I wonder why, I think, I wonder why my dad told me about this song anyway, <laughs> <laughs> now thinking back, <laughs> um, it's 99 Red Balloons by Nina. You and I in a little toy shop, buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got, set them free at the break of dawn, to one by one. Back at base, box in the software, flash the message Something's out there, floating in the summer sky Ninety-nine red balloons go by Uh, Look, I I studied German the year this one came out and our our German teacher actually decided to put this on as an episode of, uh, well, music and he was very proud that Nina, you know, was number one around the world and this is when the internet wasn't around and... uh, uh, there was a, I think there, the A side was the nines and nines, the Luftballoon, and then the the red, mm. uh, the B side was like ninety nine red balloons, and mm. we all loved the German version because they had all these little pokey, funny words that we never heard of, and <laughs> it helped us learn a bit of German. I bet um, he did. But B, but, but yeah, but B, I know there's a film clip here, and let's just say that from mm. female to female, mm. in terms of uh, viewing. Her presentation, she had some interesting offerings when she performed <laughs> this, didn't she? In the clip, do you want to share those? Yes. Better for me not to be misogynist. Better for you to yeah. to maybe put down one of your. She alumni. got some little gremlins under her armpits, hadn't she? They were yes, quite dark. Yes, she didn't like shaving under the arms. She, yeah. she had some real sort of. Um, <laughs> Niagara Falls rainforest action mm. underneath those armpits, didn't she? Never seen the light of day of a razor ever. 
Um, <laughs> so there was that going on. And then I don't think she actually, uh, she ever went to Marks and Spencer's and bought a bra or anything. <laughs> no, no. Bras weren't high up on their rotation. No, but, uh, no. But, uh, 1984, look, it's probably, it was a real creative era, wasn't it? I know in the mm. UK, you think back to some of the songs that year that you would have been around, like we don't have enough time to go to all of them, but there was a few things you mentioned earlier about some of the, the big songs out there. I know Nick Kershaw came up earlier when we were talking. Yeah, Nick Kershaw. Um, um, wouldn't it a few be other good? Ones there. Yeah, and, and the Wild yeah. Boys, Duran Duran, they had that one out there. Yeah. And um, yeah. the, the big, oh, and do you remember Bronski Beat, Small Town Boy? Yes, <gasps> Small Town Boy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bit of subtext on that video clip Pride. too, I remember. In the yeah, mail. yeah. Um, Wham, Last Christmas. And Wake yeah. Me Up Before You Go Go. Um, yeah. Tina Turner. And do they know it's Christmas, the big charity song, huh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Tina Turner, um, What's Love Got to Do With It? Oh, yeah, I mean, these that was are massive comeback year. songs. And oh, then you've got Queen again. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's really good you raise them because, mm. you know, look, you know, we sound old when we say this and we probably sound like our parents, but, you know, music in our day and that type of thing, but. If you go back and look at the charts during that era, you go, geez, seven or eight of those songs I still remember and they still get played. Mm, mm. I just well, wonder whether in 20 years' time songs on the radio now are going to have that legacy or that sense of social impact that these songs had yeah, for us growing up. Yeah, such a great... Yeah, another two, at least. Lionel Richie, hello. Yeah. Hello. Who <laughs> okay. has not heard that Wasn't one? that a creepy film clip in hindsight? <laughs> hello. Huh? Um, and the <laughs> other one, what did I just see then? Um... Shaka Khan. I feel for you. Oh, yeah, the Prince one, the Prince version. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah, nice. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, it probably hints a little bit into next week. We are around 1984 now, and mm-hmm. uh, we can let the listeners know we're going to be reviewing the Swing album next week Woo-hoo! that uh, got released sort of in 1984. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were really, you know, paying homage to the chronology as we go. But mm-hmm. um, uh, my last one is, uh, you know, A Guilt or a Pleasure is a song that um, I was playing a, a lot I reckon about a year ago on YouTube because the film clip is so 1984, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the song actually is a classic and some of you guys may not know the artist, you you may not know um, the band that she was in, uh, but she has kicked on and done pretty well for herself. So Mm -hmm. I'll go through her in a moment after we play this song, but it's uh, from a band called Till Tuesday. Yep. And the song is Voices Carry. So I'm going to put this on and maybe B, we can put about a minute onto this one. We can hit the chorus because it really pays off. So take okay. it away, B. All right. Yeah. 
Well, I'd never heard of that song until you uh, you pointed it out to me. It's quite nice, actually. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty girl. Yeah. Well, she like her, her name is Amy Mann, oh. and um, she uh, was uh, quite a big pioneer behind the sort of U- U.S. Uh, female festival called Lilith Fair. Oh which was a big sort of like female equivalent to La Palusa, you know, which was sort of more the, the grungy sort of uh, metal sort of side of things in America. But uh, she's actually married to a guy called Michael Penn, who is the brother of Sean Penn. Uh, and Michael is a music- musician in his own right, and he had a big hit in 1989 with a song called No Myth that uh, won Grammys and was uh, it's a classic song. Some of you would might, might have heard it, but it's a it's a great song. And yeah, she's um, she's had a quite a successful solo career. Oh. Amy Mann, M A Double N, and she fronted the band Till Tuesday. So mm. uh, great song, great lyric, great film clip. I love the end of the film clip too. If you get a chance to YouTube it. Okay, thanks, Hayden. It's nice to hear some of those songs because, yeah. like, like the ones that I I chose that everyone would know, but you choose the Aussie ones. Sometimes it's good. It's good to spread. Yeah, well, I mean, what, these ones, I try to share ones that sort of still resonate with me. But um, I reckon 985 next week when we talk about it, you know, it will be time for some cheese. I might try to bring some real cheese stuff to the uh, to the, to the game plan next week. Maybe some Go West, uh, uh, you know, or maybe uh, Beyond Thunderdome, cheesy Tina Turner clip. I don't know. I'll think about something cheesy for 985 next week, something that is uh, definitely a guilt. All right, and if you bring the cheese, I'll bring the crackers. Okay. (laughs) All right, cool. All right, we come to the end of episode 12. Uh, There's normally 12 tracks on a good album, and we've just done 12 episodes of our podcast, B. Our first album. uh, (laughs) We've only got. 3,988 to go, so things are going well. <laughs> um, I guess uh, just to remind listeners out there where they can hit us up on on all the various platforms and maybe just you know share some of the you know the uh, fan engagement stuff for people to interact with. Yes, well, you found us. You found us, um, and we are coming from Podbeam, um, and uh, we also are on Spotify and iTunes. We have fan engagement on our In Excess Access All Areas page on Facebook, and we are also on Instagram. And hopefully, one day we will hit Twitter. Neither of us know how to use Twitter, do we? <laughs> well, I know how to use Twitter. I, I really do. I, I, it's my preferred medium, but I, I probably need help to put the actual art history behind Let's putting put it all it together and stuff. But if we got a Twitter yeah. that I can think help if someone us. might help us with that. Is that right? That'd be but nice. anyway, we'll, anyway, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as we said also, uh, go back and listen to Kirk. You know, when you listen in excess, try identify Kirk's guitar, you know, riffs and lead breaks. Try and listen to his saxophone exploits, you know, listen to his backup vocals a little more, you know, with concentration. Maybe look at the tracks he co-wrote and have an ex- a, a Kurt experiential, ex- you know, I guess, uh, week. A bit like he did with John and a lot of people who, who even on our podcast, uh, Zoom chat last week, said, oh, I've been concentrating on John. I realise what a good drummer he is. And, well, now I appreciate what an excellent drummer he is or songwriter. So uh, we look forward to you hopefully getting something out of the Kirk stuff today and going back and enjoying uh, his contributions. Um, uh, it does lead into, uh, you know, 1984, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about today, but also the Swing album next week. Mm. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive into that and 
Um, I think it is a seminal album in Australia, particularly that uh, launched them into the, you know, Australasian stratosphere. Mm-hmm. It got them some worldwide attention, and uh, you know, really, really looking forward to that deep dive uh, next week. B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really listen to that album too much again, so because I'm I was lifted from the Listen Like Thieves album, so yeah, yeah so it'll be interesting to go. Well, that's your that. homework then. That's your, my your homework. homework next week is. He's going to uh, come back to me and go, wow, I didn't realise that song, blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah. I want some real real excitement voice inflection, you know, about the swing next week. Okay, okay. Not that you ever would come back and say anything negative, but, no. uh, uh, yeah, that, that that's both our homework. Because even though I've heard these songs thousands of times, I'm going to listen to them. I'm going to really you know, have a swing-themed week. Mm-hmm. That sounds a bit... Sounds a bit um, Risque, having a swing week. Okay, I might leave that alone, <laughs> musically speaking. But uh, it will be uh, deep diving into all the tracks and listening to them through the, the, the lens, I guess, or the ears of, uh, of uh, the time and place that those songs mm, are and how yep. they stack up today. So yeah. can't yeah. wait for that next week. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see you again in your mask. <laughs> Well, for those who don't know, Melbourne, Australia, we uh, entered into compulsory mask wearing. We mm. we feel a little bit like, um, you know, uh, outcasts in our country. Uh, uh, we have a, a country in Australia of seven states and territories, and uh, we're the only one here the in the state of Victoria that has... Uh, had a second wave breakout of COVID and uh, we're all wearing compulsory masks at work and home and everywhere whilst uh, the rest of the country are at the beach and yes, you know, enjoying fun. beers and cinema and everything. So, yeah, yeah don't come to Melbourne until we uh, get rid of this bloody virus. No, you, you stay where you are, mate. <laughs> Although it's not right. a night, it is a good place to be. I mean, if you had to be stuck, well, Melbourne is not the when we, it's a pretty good place. <laughs> when we hooked up this particular podcast, uh, what was your first image of looking at me today, <laughs> B? <laughs> I wasn't expecting it because I know. I, it, it, it's a, it was it was a shock. I, I said, "Oh, you well, look very handsome." Well, I had handsome. my mask on, so be. <laughs> But they said you look good in a mask. Well, yeah, thanks. You know, good head for radio too. But anyway, we digress. We digress. Um, And I'm giggling again. I'm sorry. I know, I know. Look, we're going to straighten up a little bit. Yeah, we're going to straighten up and we're going to go out with a bit of a tribute song for Kirk. So when we... uh, do a, uh, a band member deep dive we, we probably don't do a cover of the week we really go into maybe a song contribution that b- band member has made uh, to the band and um, look as much as we love Never Tear Us Apart in terms of the sax solo and those particular aspects um, it wasn't a co-write from Kirk so um, I know a lot of people might go why didn't you play that well it's an Andrew and, and, and Michael song um, but the song we are going to play in its full format today on the way out uh, is a song I've listened like Thieves. Uh, it is my particular favourite uh, Kirk contribution. I know B loves it as well. Yeah, and, and, and weirdly enough, not to be confused with a similar sounding uh, titled song, which a lot of people know the song Good Times. Mm. Um, and I know when I first bought Listen Like Thieves with a naked sort of look at the album, I'm like, oh, they put Good Times on the albums. But no, it's Good and Bad mm. Times. It's a different song. It's an original track. Mm. Uh I love this song. Um, I love the way the uh, you know the middle part of it, where you know there's a you know Kirk sax bit and it breaks out into Gary's bass, yeah. and we'll probably examine a bit more when we do the Listen Like Thieves uh, album review. But uh, it's an awesome heavy song. It's probably one of the heaviest in excess songs they mm-hmm. have. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a Kirk Pengilly tour de force. 
All I want to say is, Kirk, thank you for being yes, you. Yes, thank you. Thank you for doing what you did. Yes. And thank you for continuing on in promoting yes. the band. Um, apologies for your master chef experiences is forgiven. Uh, but everything else, Kirk, we salute you and we, we make this episode a tribute to you. And thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It's a goodbye from and me. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.